It's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. A part of my identity is being an adoptee, being separated at birth from my original family and placed into foster care for two years before being adopted has significantly impacted how I see my place in the world. After connecting with the adoption community over a decade ago, I recognized the added value adoptees bring to a conversation about adoption. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? My next guest came to my attention on an episode of the podcast, Who Am I Really?, hosted by Damon Davis. His name is David Bynum. I reached out to him to have a conversation because he's one of those people in adoption land that, for me personally, affirms that as an adoptee, I am not alone in my experience or perspective. I trust something he shares here will do the same for you too. David had a great upbringing and went from being an only child to the eldest of his five biological siblings. He waited late in life to search and be in reunion. And he was convinced that one of the best ways to pay it forward in the adoption community was to share his story through film. Yes, he is a filmmaker. David and his wife, Marie, own Bydam Multimedia, which is the parent company to Star107FM.com, an online radio station that has a global presence. His company recently produced his latest award-winning documentary, From a Place of Love, My Adoption Journey which is gaining national attention in the adoption-slash-foster community. Allow me to introduce you to someone who deeply understands the importance of being as emotionally prepared as possible for search and reunion with one's original family. You will hear him say in subject that we don't know what or who we will find from the search, nor how it will affect everyone involved in the uncharted territory of reunion. So true. David Bynum. David, I'm so glad you're taking an opportunity to have a talk with me about adoption and your story. How are you today? I'm fine, Jennifer, and thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Yes, and I had an opportunity to watch your film from a place of love, and I just love it. Uh, it's so well done, so well produced, and and to see familiar faces like Tracy Anders and Betsy Norris um, makes me think of how important Adoption Network Cleveland is to the community. And so I like to start there with where your journey like first started, with your connection to them. Well, as is stated in the documentary. When my mother was preparing to transition from life, we had our second talk about adoption. And she planted the seed then that if I cared to look or wanted to look, I had her blessing. And uh, that there was a picture of my biological mother there at her house. And I would recognize it when I saw it because I looked just like her. 
So um, just kind of to fast forward from that date, I found the picture, kept it, but really didn't do anything with it. 17 years later, um, I decided to start my journey to find out who and who I was, who my true roots were, where my true roots were. So once I had decided, I didn't have a clue where to look, how to look, what to do. So I just prayed about it, asked God to order my steps, sat down at the computer and typed in, how do you find your biological family? And one of the first things that popped up was the Adoption Network Cleveland. So I wound up shooting Tracy Anders a email explaining to her kind of where I was at with the search and all of that. And we spoke within, I'd say, a week to 10 days, she had found my birth mother. And also we had taken a DNA test. I won't mention who, which one, but we had taken one of the DNA tests uh, to try to find the paternal side. So the way that I got involved with Adoption Network Cleveland was as simple as a Google search. Mm, yes. And I, uh, I know our stories have some similarities, of course, being adopted, but also an only child. And then waiting so long, because I waited eight years after my mother passed, my father passed, had passed many years prior to her. And I often wonder, why did I wait so long? You know, I was late 40s. And so what do you think is the reason that you waited so long? Um, I think a lot of it was trying to prepare myself emotionally Mm. for the journey, um, because this isn't something that you can undertake on a whim right? Um, because whatever happens, you're going to change people's lives, whether it's your own life, whether it's the people that you're reaching out to your original family, you know, your birth family, people's lives are going to change. So for me, it was okay. Do I really need to upend anyone else's life when my life is good? I mean, I had my own family. I felt I was well adjusted. I didn't feel that I was missing anything. But then there was always that open question of who I really was and where I really came from. So for me, I think I didn't look till I was 58. Mm. I make an honest attempt anyway. I mean, I made a half-hearted attempt uh, maybe three or four years, a couple years after my mom had brought it up. But I never saw it through. And I think it just took me that long to prepare emotionally for whatever I found or to be strong enough that if there was rejection for the second time, I could handle it. If there were open arms, I could handle it. If there was anything in between, I could handle it. Right. So I think it just took me to emotionally prepare. I often say that. Yeah, I often say that, too, that I, during my career in law enforcement, built emotional muscles. And uh, I would have to agree, you do need to be in um, a a good place emotionally to take on what you, as you have referred to many times, is what could be Pandora's box. Mm -hmm. And so um, I totally agree with that. And in your search and what you found with the help of Tracy Anders were graves. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I as well found um, both biological parents deceased. And, and so now it was a question of what's possible. So you want to share a little bit about 
what's possible in reunion for you? For me, the the thing that was left on my maternal side, on the mother's side, is she didn't have any brothers and sisters, so there weren't a lot of aunts and uncles for my siblings. So really, the extent that I really got from my mother or information on my mother, there were people, and once again, you're going to all hear me refer back to six degrees of separation through this whole process, but there were people that knew my mother in high school, went to high school with my mother. Hmm. And I wound up having connections with them. The lady that actually brought my mother into the group was like my work mother, you know, on my job as a correctional officer. And for all these years, I used to give Sybil a ride home. And, you know, she, like I said, she was like my work mom. And come to find out, she knew that my birth mother was pregnant she just didn't know it was me. So that was very ironic. And then a, a good friend of mine, mother, also knew her in high school. So mm-hmm. she kind of put two and two together. And all that's in the documentary. She kind of put two and two together. Right. So that kind of gave me confirmation outside of the family. And then through Tracy's discoveries, I have a sister that's 14 years younger and a brother that's three years younger. So I learned a lot about my mother through the four of those folks. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the birth father's side, it was just strictly the aunts. He had two sisters that are still alive and, you know, plenty of nieces and nephews because that side of the family was a big family. So all my cousins, younger cousins, my two aunts, along with people that knew my father, my birth father, he was a well-known athlete here and all of that. So I was able to gather information about my parents through others that knew them and then also. Yeah, and I really loved hearing from your aunts on your paternal side in the film. I felt the joy. There were some synchronicities that you discovered on your paternal side. The sports, the coaching, yes. Yeah, well, you know... uh, the one good thing through this whole journey and the way that it unfolded, I got to see firsthand nature versus nurture. Mm. I know how I was raised, the values that my adoptive mother and father instilled in me, um, you know, about trying to be a good person, do unto others, you know, as you want them to do unto you and, and all my, you know, church background and family background. I learned that from my adopted parents. And that's the base, the foundation of my life. But also genetically, there are things because my brother and sister and I on my mother's side look almost identical. We could be tripped, but you could just tell I'm older and then him and then, you know. Mm-hmm. But we all look alike. So genetically that way, and then even in the documentary, my sister says she sees things that remind her of our mother or that remind her of, of our brother, or, you know, she just sees things. And then on the father's side, I don't look as much like him, but it seems that I followed in his footsteps because he was an athlete, I was an athlete. He went into coaching, I went into coaching. Mm-hmm. He enjoyed boating, outdoor things, so do I, where my, where my adoptive father was all about his business. It wasn't about no sports. It wasn't about none. It was about going to make money on his business. Mm-hmm. 
was a, a famous photographer. He became a well-known photographer. Well, where his was a skill camera, I did all my things with a video camera. I had a production company and did all of that. So I followed quite a bit in his footsteps. That is so uh, fascinating so to me, yes. It is. So that's that's the, the nature part. Mm -hmm. You know, the nurturing came from my mother and father, but I also see the nature. So at the end of the documentary, when I'm kind of summarizing everything, I summarized that it was good to explore nature versus nurture and that I saw all four traits mm. from my parents in me. So. Right. And see, I think that's probably one of the most rewarding things about reunion is to be able to pull as adoptees to pull nature and nurture together. Like that's mm. the balance that we often see when we find different family members that we're alike. We have the genetic mirroring, as um, you stated, with your, your maternal side and your siblings. But then there's those other things, like your sister saying she notices things about you that she remembers in your mom, your birth mom. So one of the biggest things that I, I got in Reunion that I can deeply appreciate. So like you... I was an only child, and then I learned that I am the oldest in Reunion. How did that make you feel to, to go from being an only child to the oldest of siblings? It, it definitely was a trip. <laughs> I, I uh, you know, like I said, for 58 years, was an only child. Right. Even though I had family members that played the role of my sister. Like we had a cousin that lived there. She also appears in the film. But she lived with us quite a bit. So she was more like an older sister than a cousin. But as far as being raised, you know, for the majority of my life, it was just me. And so to go from being an only child for 58 years to being the oldest of five <laughs> did kind of blow my mind, you know, especially yeah. when I was able to lay eyes on somebody. And for the first time in my life, when I laid eyes on my sister to know that there's a face that looks like mine. There's some blood that I share. There's some, you know, similarities where I had never really had that before in my life until I had my children. You know, when I had my child, that was the first blood heir that whose face looked like mine. Blah, blah, blah. Right. But anybody outside of one of my children, that was the very first time. And, and I'll be honest, it blew my mind. I just kind of froze the moment I saw her Facebook picture. It just, I kind of froze, you know, froze me because there's somebody that looks like me, that's related to me, that's part of me for the first time in my life, other than my own children, you know. Right. Yeah, I remember looking at my brother and thinking, this, this genetic mirroring is such a big deal to me. And we as adoptees, we may look like our families that we grew up with, but... It's not it's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same as being biologically related and looking like your family members. So I wanted to talk a little bit about overmanaging. Adoptees feel a sense of overmanaging sometimes with like I think Betsy Norris calls it um, dual loyalties. Dual loyalties. Yes. Yeah. Did you feel that or or experience that at all in your journey? Lord, I drove myself crazy with it. Mm. 
because I wanted to make sure that the people who had been in my life all my life and all of their lives did not feel displaced by me looking for other family members or by whatever I may happen to find. You know, I didn't want anyone to feel that their roles were going to change in my life. Mm -hmm. So I found myself trying to manage what I called my interpersonal relationships. I, uh, I kind of overthought everything, you know, and it's kind of funny. I even had to ask Betsy. That's how the reply came. Hey, is it normal? for people to want to manage their relationships or to overthink it or just to make sure everybody's okay and to do all of that. She said, yeah, so much so that there's a term for it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I found myself overthinking everything to the point where I asked my siblings on my mother's side, hey, do y'all ever overthink the relationship or do you ever think and both of them immediately said, no, no, no. So. <laughs> it's an adoptee thing, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So that's when I knew it was me, you know, that I was more worried about what everybody else was feeling than I truly was worried about the way I was feeling. Right, you yeah. Know? Now, that changed over time. <laughs> but in the beginning, especially, I was more concerned with what how everyone else felt. Mm-hmm. as opposed to how I felt. Right. Definitely an adoptive thing. I think I, I too still feel that sometimes, you know, what, what is my adoptive family thinking about this or that? And yeah, it's, it feels tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely difficult waters to navigate because you want everybody to be okay. Right. You want everybody to feel like you do. You want everybody to, And that's just not reality. That's not realistic because not everybody is going to be as enthusiastic or as happy for you as you are for yourself. Right. That's that's a good way to put it. mm -hmm. So that that's part of the managing and the preparation, the preparedness for taking a journey like this. Mm -hmm. And we try to explain that in the documentary so that, People will have an understanding, hey, when you get into this, this is probably going to be the most emotional thing you've ever done in your life. So you need to be prepared. I agree, and I highly recommend everyone watch the film because it really, for me, and I've been in Reunion for a, a while now, but for me it had me thinking about the newcomers to the community and even those of us that have been involved for a while like you really break it down and, and make it plain, just the process, all the different things and nuances with uh, searching and and even in reunion, navigating that. It gives people a really good view of how much is really involved from being connected to a community, the adoption community, and those that help us along the way. And then when you start meeting people and other people who know parts of the story are sharing it with you. Like, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you really make Truly. it plain in the in the film. Such a well-done film. I loved how you... Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love the cinematography and, and when you would explain different things, the shots you put in there. It was just so... Like, I was glued to it. I really was. <laughs> so now... Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I know... A, Ohio recently changed their adoption law. Many, many years of work done by 
those individuals that saw the change to its completion. Did you have your original birth certificate before the law changed? Yes. So Ohio sealed their records in 1964. And so anybody born 64 and after records were sealed. Well, I was born in 59, so I always had access to mine. Okay. And like I mentioned a little earlier, I made a half-hearted attempt back in, oh, my mother died in 89. So maybe early 90s, 91, somewhere in there. So I went down and got my original birth certificate then. That's when I found out the birth mother's name, birth date, and age. And I had a buddy in law enforcement, and I gave it to him. And within a couple of hours, he called me back, gave me the address, said it's a good address. She lives there now. So we sat in front of my wife at the time, and I sat in front of her apartment building. And when it came time for me to either do what I was going to do, leave a note on the door, put a letter in her mailbox, knock on the door, what the heck, I didn't even know what I was going to do. But when that moment of truth came, I just couldn't do it. All my childhood fears came flooding back. You know, what if she never told anybody about me? What if she tells me I have to go? What if I'm rejected again for a second time? When that moment of truth came, I couldn't do it. I looked at my wife, told her I couldn't do it, and we drove away. And for another 17 years, I never even considered it. You know, that part in your story, I remember thinking, because it was right around the time that I, I can remember thinking about should I search, you know? And then I put it off because both of my adoptive parents were still alive. And unlike your mom, your extraordinary mom, and I, and I had a very loving mom and dad, had a good childhood just like you, but my adoptive mom did not want me to search. She made it really clear. So when I heard in your story that your mom supported you, like she just seemed to be so, I don't know, just what's the word I want to use? I know when you talk of her, I can just feel her compassion for you as an adopted mm-hmm. person. Yeah, like I just, I felt it so strongly. And so I can understand you having that hesitancy and not not going to the door. Like I can understand that completely. Mm-hmm. And, and waiting, as you have stated in the film, perhaps that was um, the timing, you know, like, it's okay to to put something off because you don't know what you're going to find and you should should certainly do it when you're ready. So, so let's talk a little bit about timing. Well, I, I know for me, so let's just say when I was telling you about the incident earlier when I drove away, let's just say I'd have got out the car that day. I was really just coming to terms with the fact that my, my adoptive mother had just passed a year or two earlier, come to find out that my biological mother passed two and a half years after that. Mm. So just think if I'd have been still dealing with the loss and the grieving of my mother, met my biological mother, and then she passes six months or so after that, I don't know if I could have handled that emotionally in my 30s the way I could in my late 50s. Right. So I don't know if that was God protecting me from that emotional turmoil or if it was just meant 
for me to prepare myself because I really wasn't prepared. I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants. Mm -hmm. And and like I stated earlier, this is not a decision you should make flying by the seat of your pants. So (laughs) I think, uh, (laughs) I think that timing, the timing factor, it gave me time to prepare myself mentally and emotionally for whatever I found. Mm -hmm. And my maturity level, it gave me a chance to mature. So I think that you hit it right on the head. Timing is everything. And like I said, I asked God to order my steps. That's when all these doors open. Mm -hmm. You know, so I honestly think that the timing of it was right. And it took 17 years. Right. So you can't say it's going to take six months from now. I'll be ready tomorrow. I'll be ready. You'll know in your heart when it's time for you to live, not, not from your emotions. Don't make any, any decisions like this based on emotions, but calculated and understanding what you're about to enter. And that once you do, it's no turning back. Like now I can't turn back the clock. If I'd have had had any remorse, I couldn't turn back the clock. So whatever you do, you have to be prepared to do. And timing is everything in this particular situation. I'm glad you shared that because some people may beat themselves up about, you know, why did I wait so long or what should I have done differently than I did? But yeah, you just, there's this place inside of you that you have to trust and move accordingly. When I think of my story and learning that my birth mother died in 96 and was quite ill for the last two years of her life, that wasn't a good time for me to learn that. You know, I was a a young mother, uh, newlywed, you know, all of that. And I just feel like it would have been a little too heavy. And like you say, I wasn't prepared. You know, I wasn't emotionally prepared. That takes time to do. That just takes, it just does. So... And I wasn't connected to an adoption community, you know, so all of that impacts how you will experience reunion. So I agree. What's been the most rewarding thing about being connected to the adoption community? Um, In my particular case, it's where by me being a little older and dealing with, you know, life's, life's twists and turns and being biracial and and doing all of that, I think it's being able to lend my experience. And then also uh, making of the film. Uh, Since the film's been out, I've had numerous people contact me, thanking me, talking about it's giving them the courage, it's giving them the uh, roadmap, so to speak, on how to begin their search. And just thank me for being so open and honest. Yeah. So I think that's the most rewarding thing, knowing that I have helped or attempted to help others that may be sitting on the fence or maybe undertaking their own journey or maybe wanting to take their journey and just not knowing how to or when to or why to. Or So I think the most rewarding part for me has been the connections that I've made with people like yourself who are doing good work in our community, but also to help those in our community that need help. Like like I said, I hope that this film meets people at their needs. If you're a birth parent trying to understand how to look for your child 
or what what an adoptee is thinking, I try to give you that perspective. If you're an adoptive parent wanting to help your adopted child find their people, I try to give you that perspective. And if you're the adoptee themselves, I kind of try to show you what I went through because no two journeys are the same. So I just tried to show you what I did, the techniques I used, the people I used, and, and uh, the way I did it. So all, all of those things combined have been rewarding since I've uh, connected with the adoption community. Yes, and I think your film is really for everybody. Even those uh, outside of the adoption community have a lot to learn from your film and and I think better understand what it's like to be an adopted person. So I'm so glad you did it. And I think about the newcomer a lot to the adoption community. And I feel like your film is a good place for people to start. I know I did a lot of reading, but some people would prefer to watch a film to get a better understanding of, of what it's like to be connected to the community. You're in that situation is different than most. I'm not going to say than everybody's, but you're in my situation was different than most because you hear more, at least I have heard more negative stories mm -hmm. of adoption than I've heard really, really positive. Like if I could look back on my life, I have absolutely nothing to complain about. And from our conversations, it sounds that yours is very similar. Mm -hmm. So, even understanding that in a good adoption, in a good situation, it's still emotional. There's still a lot of changes. There's still, and I called myself being well adjusted uh, <laughs> right, in my life. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, I thought I was until I took this journey and opened up doors that had never been opened in my entire life. You know, I mean, I'd always carried them with me, but I never dwelled on them. Well, maybe I did have an issue with this, or maybe I did have an issue with that. It's discovery. For me, it was a journey of discovery about myself, about where I came from, about the man that I was at 60, turning 60, compared to the man I was growing up. It just gave me time to reflect on my life, period. Mine coming from a good story was still that emotional. I'm so, glad you said that, yeah. Yeah, I'm still uncovering things. I, I'll be in the middle of a, like a conversation, and all of a sudden I'll get emotional. I'm like, I'm still dealing with that. Like I thought I was, you know, <laughs> I was over that. You yeah. know, that that's so true. And I guess we can wrap it up. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you you want to share? No, just um, if anybody's considering searching considering looking there are organizations out there it helps to learn the lingo the terminology the way things kind of operate the resources so i would say to any of your listeners that are interested just research 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 read talk to people who have gone through the journey that you're anticipating undertaking watch as many films watch my film Yes. <laughs> watch, as, watch as many films as you can, as many television shows, and just prepare yourself. Just try to be prepared as, as, as best prepared as you can be before you undertake this, because this is life altering. 
this is a life-altering journey. That's so, well, but, that's well said. Yes, I think that the listener will totally get the whole idea of what's involved when you want to search and be in reunion by watching your film. And I'll include it in the show notes. And as you told me last week, you said, all you got to do is Google from a place of love and you won't have any problems. But I'm going to put a link in the show notes so that anyone can um, easily find it. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you too. And and I do want to say that you've done an episode on Who Am I Really? The podcast hosted by Damon Davis. I urge listeners to go over there and hear your story, a part of your journey over there. I just thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation, David. I, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for reaching out, Jennifer, and hopefully this won't be our last. Absolutely. I can't sing enough praises for Adoption Network Cleveland. Guest after guest on this podcast mention their introduction to ANC and the continued support they receive from them. I appreciated hearing David's words about his experience overthinking about established relationships being affected by new ones and how we as adoptees often take on the burden of trying to manage birth family, adoptive family, and our immediate family connections. This dual loyalty can be exhausting as we adoptees attempt to navigate our feelings of everybody being okay when we are getting to know new family members. While watching David's film, From a Place of Love, My Adoption Journey, I was pleasantly reminded of just how many people play a part in our adoption story, like pieces to a gigantic puzzle. Each and every person who crosses our path has a specific place and purpose in the big picture, and it continues for a lifetime to give us more meaning to our existence. Thank you, David, for taking the precious gift of time to have this conversation with me. I believe we are both living proof that it's never too late nor is a person too old to give back to our community in the hopes that others will find their way through the aftermaths of being relinquished and adopted people. I look forward to many more enjoyable conversations as we adoptees explore and uncover more to our adoption journey. If you are an adoptee and would like to share your adoption journey, please visit JenniferDianeGhostin.com. Thank you so much for being here, and be sure and follow me on Instagram at Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land.